Hey everyone, this is Brandon Lyles. My wife Heidi and I pastor Living Word Northwest in Rogers, Minnesota. We hope what you're about to hear encourages you no matter what you're facing this week. We believe you'll experience Jesus wherever you're listening from right now. Enjoy the message. Oh Lord, this message is going to make so much more sense than it ever has. Have you ever said this? I have no idea. I have no answers. I have no idea what I'm doing. Have you ever said that? Have you ever said, I've got nothing left to give? Nothing. I'm out of energy. I'm out of time. I've lost that love and feeling. (laughs) Oh, that love and feeling. I lost that love and feeling. You just lost it. You got no. Wow. Baby, baby. Jane, come on. I get down on my knees for you. No, baby, baby. Whoa, 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 whoa. Did you see that? You saved that for later. Yeah. Um, kind of all over the map today, guys. Just stay with me. As a pastor, I hear things like, you know, <laughs> people ask me, what are you preaching this weekend? I've got nothing. Said it. Been there. Done that. How are you going to respond to that? Did you, see, did you hear what they said on Facebook? Did you hear what they said on Instagram? How are you going to respond to that? I got nothing. What did your teenager do? What are you going to do about it? <laughs> I got nothing. I have no idea. Here's some definitions of nothing. They're very complicated. Definitions of nothing. Not anything. No single thing. There's actually four. There's a lot that Webster has to say about nothing. Number two, having no prospect of progress. That was chapter one in my biography. No prospect of progress. Number three, not at all. Again, definitions of nothing. My favorite, number four, no amount, semicolon, zero. The nothing. The nothing was that thing that, that almost destroyed Fantastica and the never-ending story. Falcor! you. Anybody? Yeah. I love this service! 9am was like, what? <laughs> does he have a Bible and does he have a scripture to back that up? Um... Having nothing to do is what caused Ferris Bueller to have a day off. Huh? He had a great day off. Wow, Terry, you watched that movie? I'm born again. Wow. Starship. Anybody? Starship said, nothing's going to stop us now. 
And if this world runs out of lovers, we'll still have each other. Nothing's gonna stop us. Nothing's gonna stop us now. Whoa, whoa. You guys remember Starship? Mannequin, did you watch that movie? Yes, thank you. I love this. Seinfeld. A show about... Man, I'm just feeling the presence of the Lord this morning. Nothing, this is deep, nothing is what's left when you've tried everything, right? When you've said everything there is to say. Think of your last argument with your spouse. When you've said everything there is to say, done everything there is to do, and given everything there is to give, you're left with nothing. And we hate nothing, right? Come on, who wants nothing in their bank account? <laughs> Nothing in their closet. <sighs> Panic. Some people have nothing in their brain. Some people, people don't like nothing. No energy levels, nothing in our heart, uh, nothing in the gas tank. We hate nothing. But this month, Heidi and I, we want to convince you of one thing, that your nothing is his something. Amen? Amen? Your nothing is his something. And maybe I have to truly convince you of that. So just repeat it after me. Say, my nothing is his something. Turn to your neighbor and say, your nothing is his something. Mm. Or her something. No, his something. Oh, I just got really off base scripturally there for a second. <laughs> it's been a long service. There's a lot going on. Let me read to you out of 2 Corinthians 4 just to prove to you that we are a church. We do read the Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. We are like common clay jars, and I'll refrain from the jars of clay references, but we are like common clay jars that carry his glorious treasure within. Amen? So that this immeasurable power will be seen as God's, not ours. Though we experience every kind of pressure, right? And it reduces us to nothing. We're not crushed. At times, we don't know what to do. We've got nothing. But quitting is not an option. We're persecuted by others, but God has not forsaken us. We'll be knocked down with nothing left, but we're not out. You can see this throughout the word. It, it references Isaiah, Jeremiah, Romans, as God is the potter, we are the clay, right? Mold me and make me. Come on, all you Lutherans. Who was that? Are you serious? This is my guy. That anoint, do you feel that anointing? That was awesome. You even had the like, uh, the low octave going on there. Man, I'm telling you guys, this is so good. But you, but you read it all throughout the word, right? Um, and, and what they do is they speak of us being this clay vessel, Right? This clay vessel, common clay jars is what Paul says here. Here's the deal, though. We see ourselves oftentimes as empty, but God sees us as ready. Right? Turn to your neighbor and say, you think you're empty, but God thinks you're ready. Isn't that good? I'm ready, babe. And here's the deal. 
For when, listen to this, this is what the Lord showed me. For only when we have nothing is there room for something. Here's the paradox. Paul explains it in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. But he answered me, my grace is always more than enough for you. And my power finds full expression in your weakness, your nothing. So I will celebrate my weakness, my nothing. For when I'm weak, when I'm empty, I sense more deeply the mighty power of Christ living in me. So I'm not defeated by my weakness, but delighted. Flip the script on the enemy, people. For when I feel my weakness and endure mistreatment, when I'm surrounded with troubles on every side and face persecution because of my love for Christ, I am made yet stronger. For my weakness, my nothing, becomes a portal to God's power. Your nothing is God's something. Your weakness becomes a portal to God's power. Without emptiness, you won't find fulfillment. I'm about to crush the word of faith bubble. Without lack, you cannot experience provision. I was teasing Mike Groves last service. What is sweet tea without sugar? It's just that tea that only like healthy people drink. I'll have a tea, no sweetener. Gross. Nobody likes that. That's like I'll have an Arnie, no Palmer. That's, I don't know what that was. I'm sorry. It was so weird. Is that, what is that? Is that lemonade or is that iced tea? It's just lemonade? Did Arnie add the iced tea or the lemonade? Whatever. Stop it. You guys are so weird. This is why we don't let the band talk. Just play your instruments. No talking. Oh. The point I was trying to make was... What makes sweet tea so good is that it starts with something nasty and plain, just like tea. What makes God's provision so good is because it fills our lack. Amen? I know a lot of rich people that are miserable, they have everything they need, but the people that came from nothing, they have such an appreciation even for the little things that they have. The things that really matter, right? Not just the stuff. The people, when they were alone and they lived alone. Like Heidi, when we got married, she loved me so much because she was single for so long. So long. I won't tell you where I, I, you know. Yeah, she was praying for my soul probably. But you know what I'm saying though? Gene and Jim. Don't leave, okay? I know this is the weirdest sermon you guys have ever heard in your entire lives. And you've heard a lot of sermons, but just you wait. This is getting better. Your nothing is God's something. When you look at it like that, that your emptiness or that your lack is an opportunity for his provision and his goodness and his fulfillment, it gives you a new perspective on those times when you feel empty, when you feel alone, when you feel like you've got nothing left because you see it now as an opportunity. You see that you've now become a portal, a vessel for his power. Mm. We're all full of something. (laughs) We're full of it. 
I just said the last two letters. We're full of it. We're full of ourselves. We're full of what others have told us about ourselves. We're full of calendar invites. We're full of being busy. And honestly, most of us are more than full. We're overwhelmed. I'm just speaking the truth. Babe, I think your mic is on. So if you have anything you want to say, please do. Okay, but just feel free to step in anytime. And, and of course, Americans, right? We like to make our own choices, fill our own schedules, right? Do what we feel, have it your way, all the American things. And so we like to figure things out on our own. And so when there's an emptiness, we get a hold of the self-help books and we watch the TED Talks and we say, what do I need to do so that I can get what I think I need so that I can feel full, fulfilled? And in fact, the problem is, is when we're not fulfilled or we're not busy, we feel like we're unsuccessful. When we think of ourselves as empty or lacking, we see ourselves as unworthy. We're not good enough. Look at everybody else has what they need. Look at what they're doing with their life. Look at what they're doing with their church. Look at what they're doing in their job. Look at what their family's like. They seem so full. And so then if we're not full, we see ourselves as, as like we're, we're lacking something that we shouldn't be lacking. We're not good enough. We're not succeeding in life. We're unworthy. But God is in the business of filling empty things. Think about when God created this world. He hovered over nothingness, right? There was emptiness. It was a void. That's where he chose to go to create something. And then he took this lifeless dirt, right? And he created all of humanity. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a dirt bag. He created all of humanity from dirt, from nothing. Think about it, church. This is where God likes to be. He likes to take plain, ordinary things and make them extraordinary, like taking a carpenter and making him a king. This is the way God works. I think we're afraid to live in the decrease, but yet God defines himself as the potter and us the clay. And when you, when you mold and you work with a, with a pot, with clay to make a pot, it's empty when you're done. It's empty. And so if he's the potter and we're the clay and he molds us and he makes us and he says, look at what, I've, look at what I have created. And he says, this is good. It's empty. But I think he likes that because he wants the room. He wants the space on the inside of us because he knows the world that we live in and the challenges that we face and the temptations that he has. And he says, I can fill them with something, with a, with a wellspring of life, with, with a water, with, with, with a food, with, with something that will satisfy them unlike anything else will satisfy them to where they will say, I am full. Even in my times when I am weak, somehow I, I feel full. Even in my times of lack, somehow I feel full. God knew I can fill them with something that will sustain them. God, fill me with something that sustains me. Amen? Amen. Ooh. To become a portal to his power. Yeah. Yeah, with that, I think what we do when we're empty is, like you were saying, we'll try to fill it up with other things. And part of that is almost a distraction because the emptiness is so uh, not a 
appealing. Yeah. But and and we look at the the carpenter turning into the king and we think, well, I'm not a king so I'm not worthy to be used. But he sees it the opposite way and he looks at the carpenter and if we can see ourselves as the carpenter being empty so that he can fill us, mm-hmm. right? That's a good place to be, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think sometimes it's more of a distraction so that we don't feel that that emptiness, but that's where he wants us. Right? Yes, right? yes, I love that. I love that. Room to fill us, to flood us, to dwell, dwell among us. That's his character. That's what he values, to dwell among us, to dwell in us. And so sometimes we have to make natural changes in our lives, like we talked about the last couple months, and we have to say, okay, I need to unclutter I need to remove in in a country where it's all about gaining and growing. I need to say no. I need to I need to pause and I need to I need to clean. I need to make room because some of us like to think we have big capacities, and since we have big capacities, we just try and fill those capacities. And then when we're shaken, and when things happen like kids and life, and you know stress and COVID and all those things that we can't control, we get shaken, and our our great full capacities, you know, that we've strived for our entire careers now are are spewing out all over the place uncontrollably, and we don't know what's happening. Instead, I feel like God is telling us, "Hey, learn your limitations because I put them there. Why? To keep you at a place." where you can walk at a pace of peace and have room for whatever comes in your life. Don't be afraid of the emptiness. Don't be afraid of the lack. Don't be afraid of the unfilled space. Because what God wants to do is he wants to fill that with what he wants to fill that with. So that the provision comes from him and it doesn't crush you because it came from your career so that the love comes from him not from a person that's gonna let you down so that the peace comes from him not your paycheck not your masseuse if you have a masseuse I mean that's awesome so that your joy, I don't want to know what you're thinking right now, Terry. So that, I'm just kidding. So that your joy comes from him. Not because you bought something or went somewhere or met someone. Yeah, and then like Heidi just said, then, and actually Paul said it too, then he gets the glory. And you can't say, look what I did, because you're going to let yourself down at some point. I'm going to let you down. This church is going to let you down. Your spouse is going to let you down. Your kids are going to let you down. At some point, somebody's going to let you down. But if you've got space where you know that when things are shaken, God's giving you this, uh, this grace that you can have on yourself and you can have on others. You see, when you realize that you need that space, you realize others need that space. And you can trust that God in his goodness is going to pour out of 
himself and his blessing just in the nick of time to fill you when you need to be filled. Amen. Amen. Let's be a church that is not busied and cluttered. And I think this is where it's all kind of coming full circle for me is maybe it's not that we're too busy. It's just that we're too cluttered, you know? And maybe... Maybe we've just got to declutter and make room. Uh, wow, this isn't going to, Stephen Furtick's not going to copy this message, but you know, uh, maybe we just need to become a church that's a little bit more empty so that there's room for something new that we haven't seen as a church before. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's so funny because I just hear the devils in my mind. The devils in my mind are like, oh, what are people going to say about that? They're going to say, oh, their attendance must have been down. That's why they went to one service. Or they're going to say, oh, maybe it was a financial decision. And oh, yeah, we heard what Brandon said, but what he was really, you know, we know what's really going on. It's like, no, it's none of that. We're going to run out of room in one service. You know, uh, especially if the CDC has anything to say about it, we're going to run out of room in one service. Um, we're going to run out of room in our kids' ministry. We're going to, you know, we're just, God's going to do it. And I feel like if we just make room for him, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. And maybe it happens, you know, tonight before bed, all of a sudden there's this stroke of genius or inspiration. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. And he's not just going to do it for my sake or, you know, for the sake of our volunteers or what. It's not about that. It's for, it's for us. It's for you. It's for me. It's for our kids. It's for our families. It's for this community. Because whatever it is that he wants to do, as unique as it may be and new as it may be, he needs the space to do it. And maybe we've just filled it with clutter, programs, events, services. I don't know. I don't know. I have nothing. I got nothing for you. God, you know what's so crazy is on Monday, Heidi's like, what's in your heart to preach this week? Nothing. I have nothing. That's what I told her. I have nothing. And this is why, because I think he's just trying to empty. He emptied me this week for this moment, for that moment in that chair. He tried to stop Lexi from singing this morning. She wasn't feeling well. I just about had a panic attack up here and fainted right in front of y'all. He's trying to stop it. He may have tried to stop you from coming to church this morning for some reason. Amen. If COVID can't stop you and forest fires can't stop you, then whatever it is that we're going to do in the upcoming months, I know you're ready. I'm not empty. I'm ready. I am not empty, church. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. And what I love about this is this, this is obviously not a church growth strategy. Do you know what I'm saying? So you can't pin that on me. 
Oh yeah, my pastor wants to have less services, so there's no room for people. <laughs> no room for me, and all the room for him. No room for what I want, all the room for what he wants. No room for religion, all the room for relationship. Because church just doesn't happen in this hour and 15 minutes that apparently are now over. Church happens before service. Church happens after service. And if I don't have time before or after service, I'm not having church. Church for me happens during the week when our staff comes over and hangs out at our house and tells inappropriate jokes and we laugh and we cry and, and, and it, that's church. Maybe not the inappropriate jokes part, but you know what I'm saying. Church happens in Jane's garage and we're hanging out and we're all dying from the fog that we're inhaling the whole time and I get to ride her lawnmower up and down her street while I boss around my staff to do the hard work. That's church. Church happens outside of these four walls. But if my schedule's too busy to have church, then I need to make some changes. Amen? Are you with me, church? No, like, I mean, like, are you, like, are you really with me? Like, if we have a baptism service in the Mississippi River and you lose your flip-flop down the river, are you with me? If it rains, hopefully not lightning, but if it rains and we're out there getting baptized before we get baptized, are you with me? If we can only afford ballpark hot dogs and those $2 for 75 buns from Costco for lunch, are you with me? And if we go down to one service, and if we do that, I don't know. If we do that, I have nothing. If we, Are you with me? Are you with me in the nothing just as much as you're with me in the something? Church, I just, I want to know. I want to know. Because you're not with me. We're with him in this. And more importantly, he's with us. And where he goes, we get to go. And where he leads, we get to follow. And when he speaks, we get to listen. And when he moves, we get to move with him. And when he delivers, we're delivered. And when he heals, we're healed. And where his joy and his peace and his strength and his fullness is, we experience. We experience it firsthand. And not only that, not just for our benefit, but we become portals to his power. Portals, vessels that our children draw from that our co-workers draw from, portals that those young people at youth camp are going to be drawing from. You guys are vessels that are filled for those young people to draw, not drawing from your talent or your rehearsal time or your gifts or your experience. They're drawn from God's power in you. That's what, that's what that is. That's what that is. So church, be filled this week. In Jesus' name, be filled. Be filled, be full, be satisfied this week. Not with the things this world has to offer, but with something only God can give. His goodness, His mercy, His power. And everybody that agreed, can you give Him praise today? He's been so good to us. He's been so good to us. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, I'll tell you what, I think prayer tomorrow night on Facebook you're going to need to be praying for me. So if you would like to come pray for me, Monday night, 8 p.m. Facebook, I need all the prayer I can get. 
We're going to be there to pray with you and for you. We love you guys. We hope to see you back next week. If you'd like to volunteer, Adam will be up here. Uh, Have a great week, you guys. It's going to be a good one. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to what God has put on our hearts. If you need someone to pray with you or for you, join Heidi and I Monday nights, 8 p.m. Central Time on Facebook. And just know we're grateful to the Lord that He's given us this time with you. God bless.